Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. One billion people in the developed world suffer from diseases related to obesity and lifestyle. Another billion in the developing world are going hungry. This is Colleen Shaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs, talking with a man who's working on both problems at once. James Kondo, a World Fellow at Yale University. Tell me about the organization you founded, Table for Two. This organization came out、um, when we had a meeting of、uh, two committees that were working separately on hunger and obesity,、mm-hmm. uh, and、uh, and as you mentioned, a billion people. Get affected、uh, from both issues:、um, hunger, primarily in developing countries, and obesity, primarily in developed countries.、Uh, and、uh, as we were discussing this, we happened to be in two sections of the same room, and it was quite ironic uh, uh, that there was this、uh, dichotomy in this world. And we tried to think about how we could address both issues simultaneously.、Mm-hmm. And、um, as we developed the ideas,、uh, the World, World Economic Forum, which organizes the Davos Conference, where a lot of the、um, world leaders gathered,、um, said that they would like to、uh, promote this uh, activity uh, as uh, uh, a group that would really highlight this huge gap uh, between the two,、uh, the two worlds, but also、uh, the two major causes of death in the world,、uh, and, and come up with something that's concrete that we could、uh, undertake. So explain to me exactly what the organization does. Okay,、uh, so、uh, what we do is actually quite simple.、Um, we work with、uh, cafeterias, restaurants, and hotels.、Uh, and、uh, every time you eat a healthy meal that meets our guidelines,、mm-hmm. which is mostly nutritional guidelines around calories, vegetables, and fruit intake,、uh, 20 cents gets donated,、uh, and 20 cents、uh, is enough to fund a school meal、uh, in, a, in a developing country. And so we call this table for two because every time you're eating this healthy meal, in effect, you're eating with someone else.、Right. So it's almost like eating together. What kind of response have you gotten so far?、Uh, tremendous uh, response. It's、um, it's it's been a、uh, it's it's been a very pleasant surprise for us.、Um, we、uh, now have about sixty、uh, Fortune five hundred companies、uh, that do this in their cafeterias.、Uh, we have a range of hotels. Some of the top chefs have approached us uh, with uh, an offer to do it not only in their restaurants, but also、uh, to craft uh, some uh, sort of lunch boxes, etc., with department stores,、mm-hmm. uh, or with、uh, catering firms, so this can be expanded more broadly.、Uh, geographically,、uh, because I'm from Japan, we started originally、uh, in Japan,、uh, but we also have、uh, companies in India. Uh, the U.S.、Uh, and now uh, in in、uh, in, the U- in Europe、uh, that are very much interested.、Uh, so we're we're in a mode to、uh, really expand、uh, globally, but really、uh, emphasizing the U.S. where there are actually uh, uh, both uh, the largest number of companies,、uh, but also、uh, one of the、uh, most severe obesity issues、uh, in the world. And getting these chefs on board would, it seems to me, promote the idea that healthy eating isn't necessarily Deprivation. Totally, and I think、um, that's one of the reasons they find this、uh, interesting and challenging,、mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that there is this,、um, I think, a hidden assumption within us that unless that、uh, unless there is a lot of meat,、mm. uh, that we're not getting、uh, high cuisine, and in fact, some of the most subtle,、uh, interesting、uh, dishes. Uh, can be created uh, with uh, you know some meat or even you know vegetarian, uh, and uh, that you don't need to have a quantity 
to enjoy quality. So I think um, they have found this uh, engaging. And I think they find also that it uh, works uh, a lot with people who actually uh, appreciate cuisine. Mm-hmm. So um, so uh, in a way, uh, I think uh, they're leading uh, the movement will be very, very important. And chefs will have a, a, a very important role to play. Now let's switch gears and talk about another organization you founded called the Health Policy Institute. That's going to be co-hosting a global health summit for the G8. What do you see as the most important item on the agenda? For me, um, the most uh, important issue uh, that we have uh, continuously uh, failed to address uh, is actually uh, primary health care mm-hmm. uh, in developing countries, especially those uh, that affect maternity and child health. Uh, because, you know, when you don't have the basic health facility, typically the people who lose out the most uh, tend to be women and children. Right. What we have been uh, reasonably successful in uh, over the past uh, eight years or so, uh, or so to support has been uh, uh, the infectious diseases, mm-hmm. uh, especially HIV AIDS, uh, malaria, uh, and tuberculosis to some degree. Uh, and uh, the G8 uh, about uh, eight years ago uh, led to the creation of the Global Fund, which is a global funding mechanism to fund those infectious diseases. So that's been, a, I think, a major progress. I think we now really uh, need to take a hard look at the basic healthcare system, uh, especially with m- women and children, because the uh, death rate uh, for children and also uh, maternal death rate on pregnancy uh, is not only like several tenfold uh, larger, in some cases for um, uh, maternal death rates, they could be several hundred times uh, larger, especially because uh, they have more pregnancies uh, mm-hmm. in those countries. And I think it's, uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm uh, sort of cautiously optimistic uh, because I think, you know, women and children are something that is uh, that the world uh, could come around, uh, you know, together uh, to support. Uh, and I think uh, that needs to be much higher on the radar screen. Well, and do you think that the work that's been done in infectious diseases could translate into better primary care? There, there's some infrastructure that's been built with Global Fund. Yeah, I think um, uh, clearly uh, the work that has been done in infectious diseases is a major uh, step forward. Uh, I do want to point out that uh, there is some criticism uh, of people who say that uh, it's almost ironic uh, that some people are on incredibly expensive uh, uh, HIV treatment mm-hmm. treatment while next to them uh, you know children may not even have the most uh, basic uh, antibacterial uh, treatment or anything that could really very very cheap treatment right. uh, that could save them so I think we, we do need to get the balance right but I, I'm, I'm uh, in no way saying that we should pull back anything that we have done in infectious disease, uh, you know, uh, to the contrary, we, we should really uh, try to step up mm-hmm. uh, in other areas. And I think for that, uh, you know, civil society and policy discussions are essential. And, uh, and our institute is really trying to galvanize, uh, especially the richest countries in the world, uh, to take that step forward. You're also working with the Japanese government to fight chronic disease through more screenings and early interventions. Certainly in the United States, one of the big criticisms of the healthcare system is that you can get your heart attack paid for. It's much harder to get coverage for your blood pressure medication, harder still to get any assistance with things like nutrition counseling or a gym membership. Is Japan more prevention-oriented than the states are? Unfortunately, uh, I don't think it is. But uh, but in uh, in reality, the society uh, has been reasonably successful, despite I would say the healthcare policy that mm-hmm. has been just as much uh, sort of treatment focused, uh, mainly because of uh, our diet, uh, the exercise uh, habits, uh, and I think you know frankly, 
the uh, lifestyle uh, that is uh, m- where you know people walk a lot more and uh, and and the Japanese diet just happened historically mm-hmm. to be uh, lower calories. So I think we're we're just fortunate. Uh, but I do think that that it, it offers uh, several lessons uh, in the sense that uh, yes, we do need uh, more focus on prevention. But but our notion of prevention may be slightly uh, different in the sense that uh, uh, not only do we need uh, more screening and technologies to uh, sort of check up our health and to uh, be a little bit more healthy, I think it it uh, it means that we need to think uh, more about how it's not just the healthcare system, but but the way des- we design our society, mm-hmm. for example, the way we use our cars, uh, how we eat uh, in restaurants, all those things, especially in an age where chronic diseases everywhere uh, in developed countries cause uh, the large majority of deaths. Uh, working on those things uh, are very, very important. And I think uh, we need to really understand the health implications uh, of the societal choices that we're making in, in very, very private spheres mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, eating. I think you know, eating, for example, is, um, is, a, is, you know, is something that is so family and individual driven that uh, people uh, actually find it quite distasteful that uh, some nutritionist or some health expert would be coming in and giving guidelines about what they should be eating. But I think, you know, we need to address some of those tough challenges because I think, uh, you know, the society as a whole uh, in every country, including Japan, is failing uh, in terms of keeping its uh, citizens healthy. Behavior change is so notoriously difficult to achieve. You know, it's, it's, it's so much easier to take a pill than it is to passed by the ice cream. Um, what can you do from a health policy standpoint to sort of urge people toward healthier lifestyles? I think um, um, there are a couple of things, but but I think um, you know my experience with Table for Two actually mm-hmm. makes me uh, quite optimistic. One of the things that I found very, very uh, surprising actually was how uh, easy uh, it was in some ways for CEOs to change the menu in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Frankly, they had not given one minute thought to what gets offered in their cafeteria. So on the one hand, uh, you have company CEOs really complaining about the rising healthcare costs uh, of their operations uh, with a sort of, um, you know, uh, there was a, a statement I think made by the chairman of uh, GM saying that they're paying more uh, uh, for health insurance per unit of car f- than for steel. Wow. Um, so, uh, so that was a huge issue. So, uh, but it, uh, but at the same time, uh, these companies were not necessarily working uh, in, for example, their uh, factory cafeterias where their workers may eat one or two meals per day, or not really working uh, necessarily in terms of providing gyms to keep uh, individuals fit. And I think. Uh, you know, once we have a shift uh, in terms of institutions and uh, and restaurants, more choices uh, will get offered. And I think um, we need to um, sort of get uh, those kind of stakeholders much more involved. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic in the sense that once those connections were made, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, many companies have stepped forward to offer the choices. And once the choices were offered, uh, then many of the employees. Uh, took part in those programs. So it's not that they were maliciously trying to sort of offer high-calorie diet. It just was not, you know, uh, something that they thought was a top priority. Uh, And I think uh, health is a priority uh, with severe economic consequences. So people are starting to see the cost-effectiveness of a healthier lifestyle. I think so. I think so. You know, the stereotype is that these kinds of chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease entirely spring from this 
excess that we can afford in the developed world. Are these exclusively first world problems? I, that's a fantastic question because uh, that's the um, that's the perception. Uh, but in fact, uh, this is spreading extremely fast. Uh, in fact, uh, more people in developing countries actually suffer from uh, chronic diseases than those in the developed world. Uh, and I think uh, the shocking reality uh, is that the, uh, a phenomenon that we call dual burden, where many of the poor countries actually have uh, many of the infectious diseases, uh, but at the same time, growing or exploding uh, chronic diseases, uh, those, uh, that dual bur burden is really overwhelming uh, the healthcare systems uh, in those developed con uh, developing countries. And I think uh, it's, a, it's a really a great lesson uh, for those of us who are privileged to be living in uh, developed countries because if, unless we sort the chronic diseases out, mm -hmm. uh, we would not have any model uh, that we can uh, at least try to apply uh, in the developing countries that certainly uh, can't afford it. You know, we are talking about in the U.S., in Japan, about healthcare system that we cannot afford. If some of the richest countries in the world cannot afford a healthcare system for chronic diseases, there's no way that uh, the majority of the world will be able to afford it. You also direct a health policy program at the University of Tokyo. What are the major issues that you believe your students are going to have to confront in the coming decades? Uh, there are two issues uh, that I uh, typically focus on. One is this uh, issue of chronic diseases, which I think is, is uh, extremely important. Uh, and I think the issue there is what should be the individual responsibility? What's the uh, responsibility of other stakeholders like communities and companies? Uh, and where should the, uh, the state step in? And I think those are fundamental political uh, dis discussions that needs to be had. The second uh, issue uh, that I uh, think confronts all nations, uh, also, but also in Japan, uh, is this notion of um, you know how much healthcare uh, do we actually want to spend? Uh, because mm -hmm. uh, in a way, uh, people want to have the maximum healthcare treatment for the minimum cost. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, although there are huge wastes, even if we get rid of the waste, there is a question about uh, the size of healthcare budget. That, it, that each nation uh, can afford and wants to uh, pay for. Uh, and I think uh, this is one area where I think citizens uh, need to really come to grips uh, with the trade-off uh, that they're making uh, and not be uh, too, uh, too um, I guess, lighthearted or too uh, selfish. Uh, what I tend to find, uh, especially uh, uh, in Japan, uh, is that uh, uh, the, the voters would typically uh, favor politicians who would promise maximum uh, healthcare benefits uh, with no tax increases. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the world doesn't work that way. Uh, and I think um, politicians really are very, very sensitive to where the voters are coming from. Uh, and I think what it tends to end up being, and this is very true actually in Japan and the US, uh, is that the easiest way for the current generation and politicians to work this out is to fund it out of debt. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is the most unfair uh, system because we're in a way passing on our healthcare bills to the next generation. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and many of these uh, countries are facing an aging population uh, that will have less resources to fund it. So I think it, it is our obligation in this generation uh, to address this issue. And I think uh, university setting is one of the settings that allows uh, for a neutral objective you know, hard-nosed look at these issues. You know, it strikes me that e even though those are issues that may be common to every country in the world, every country would have a somewhat different appropriate solution. Uh, 
I think so. I think um, you know the philosophical leanings uh, of the country, the the history, uh, totally uh, affects this debate. And and I think you know I, I'd like to uh, point out that healthcare and uh, education are in some ways the most difficult policies to ch- uh, change because everyone feels that they can talk about healthcare. Everyone right. is a everyone is a healthcare and education expert. <laughs> uh, and uh, but but it also means that uh, the public is engaged uh, and uh, that there is a chance for a political discourse. And I think. You know, with new leadership coming in uh, in the United States, we will have a major election in Japan next year. Uh, Some of these uh, challenges that are, uh, you know, frankly, quite difficult, but very, very important uh, will be addressed more seriously. Tell me a little bit about your World Fellows experience. How do you expect that to affect your work? It's been transformational. Um, I think um, a lot of us uh, tend to uh, get very, very narrowly focused on our work um, and um, with geographies or uh, themes. Uh, in my case, uh, for example, in Japan with healthcare. Uh, but uh, when you, for example, meet someone who's in uh, the environmental work, uh, one of the things uh, that's really come out, uh, for example, in one of our sessions uh, is that actually. Um, uh, meat consumption is actually uh, one of the largest, uh, you know, a CO2 uh, mm. emission causes. So uh, we had this fantastic uh, debate between some environmentalist uh, fellows uh, and myself uh, about how we can maybe jointly uh, work in terms of reducing our meat consumption, which works both for the environment but has a tremendous impact on health. Um, you know, what is going on in terms of, uh, you know, uh, farming techniques uh, in China has mm-hmm. profound impact in terms of health probably uh, all around the world. So these are the sort of uh, connections uh, that, that you uh, sort of uh, get to learn about uh, at Yale. Uh, and there are, uh, it's, 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 it's a fantastic realization that, uh, you know, uh, the world is interconnected in, in more ways than we think. Uh, and I think uh, Yale provides a very rich environment to sort of step back uh, and appreciate the richness that there is uh, and uh, and the linkages that uh, really make make the world a fun place uh, to work at. Thank you. We've been talking with James Kondo, who's participating in Yale's World Fellows Program for Emerging Leaders Around the Globe. For more information, please visit yale.edu slash worldfellows.